Okay, so I think I've met all of you, but if I haven't met you, my name is Rachel Wartman, and we are in the middle of a series called Naturally Supernatural, and the idea of this series is discovering your spiritual gifts and how God uses you, because it's supposed to be a very natural thing. And so today, we're going to be tackling the gift of intercession. Last week and the week before, we went through those 1 Corinthians 12 gifts, the nine that are listed in there. Um, Last week, we talked a lot about discernment, and the weeks before, we talked about healing and prophecy. And so today is really all about the gift of intercession. What I felt like the Lord was saying this week is um, one of the unique things we get to do in this series is to highlight some of the gifts that aren't as obvious or aren't as well known. And so, you know, if if you're talking about the gift of prophecy, you can go to Mardell or Amazon and there's just hundreds of books you can choose from to read on it. There's other gifts that that is the same um, situation as well. But the gift of intercession is one that doesn't get talked about very much. And and so I felt like the Lord just wanted us to push pause and say, today is for the intercessors. One of my favorite quotes, and I don't know who said it, but it said, history belongs to the intercessors. Essentially, intercession is prayer. But everybody can pray and see your prayers be answered. But intercession in particular is a gifting or a calling that God puts on you to pray in a specific manner to see a specific change. So we're going to dig into that all in a little bit. But I wanted to give you an example of a story from my life um, of how the gift of intercession has worked. I've got two stories for you that are different displays of this gifting. The first one was when we were about 22 years old, Grant and I took a small group of around, I don't know, 16 or 17 young people. They were mostly all fresh out of high school. We took them to the jungles of Indonesia on a mission trip, and it was quite an adventure on all fronts. And one of the girls that was with our trip, she was actually a refugee from Africa. She had been living in the United States for a long time. She just had not gotten her citizenship yet. So we did all the research we could. The administrator of the trip really dug into understanding what, is she, what documentation does she need to be able to come on this trip. Got it all lined up, headed out the door. 30-something hours of travel later, we found ourselves in Jakarta, Indonesia, which is the capital of Indonesia. And we're all getting our visas, and it's all going well. And then this, in particular, girl, um, she got her visa denied because her passport didn't work the same as a United States passport, and there was some miscommunication in our understanding. And she had to have applied for her visa out of the country. You couldn't do it in country, okay? So we were faced with an incredible predicament of what to do with all of these young people. We were unbelievably exhausted and trying to figure out, you know, they were basically saying, get on the next plane, you need to leave to go to Singapore. And this is a 19-year-old girl who's going, what am I going to do when I get to Singapore? None of us knew anybody in Singapore, and we were, it was a panicking moment. And so we began to talk with the officials, and out of the blue, we get a phone call from the missionary that we were actually going to work with. And this is what he said. He said, hey, Grant, is everything okay? And we're sitting there in absolute panic. And we said, no, it's not okay. This particular girl is being denied entrance. We're not really sure what to do. And he said, well, I was driving down the road and I felt very grieved in my spirit and I knew something was going on. So I thought I'd call and see what do you need help with. So that's a great example of the gift of intercession, right? As he's just going about his day, the Lord drops. There's something going on and they need your participation in this thing. So we began to dialogue. Imagine a scene out of something like Indiana Jones where we're in this back room of the airport. It's all white linoleum tile. It's fluorescent lights. And there's about 15 Indonesian men in head-to-toe tan army outfits. And they're all smoking. So it's like so much smoke. And Grant and I are sitting there going, what do we do? And they just kept saying, you must leave. Go Singapore. You must leave. And we're going, I don't know what to do. And so we rock, paper, scissored to who was going to go back to Singapore with her. And Grant lost. So he got on the the plane with her and went to Singapore and it was a Saturday and the embassy wasn't going to open until a Monday. And as you can imagine, it was 
quite the adventure. Um, as it all worked out, she ended up not getting her visa approved, but as God connected us, it's one of those moments, you know, where we had a friend of a friend who knew somebody in Singapore. This family ended up being the most amazing family, brought her in, let her stay with them the whole month of our outreach so that she could at least have an overseas experience. And they're still friends of ours now. They actually live in the States now. So anyways, just to tell you that story to say the gift of intercession works sometimes when we're not expecting it right? Driving along, doing our thing, boom, all of a sudden I have this awareness of something I didn't know before. We could call that a word of knowledge, but when it's fueled towards prayer, it's actually the gift of intercession. All the gifts work together, right? So like I told you a few weeks ago, if we're trying to isolate them to make a formula around it, it's going to get really confusing. So I'll just know it's all going to flow together. Another story I wanted to tell you, a different way of how this gift works before we dive into what it is and what it's not. A few years ago, so I'm a deliverance person, okay? I personally believe as believers, we've been given deliverance by Jesus. I believe that as we go about our lives, the enemy comes against us. We need to get him out. Certain times of our life, we need to get him out more than others. So for me personally, I'm the kind of person who I like to know somebody all the time that I can call and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? Let's, let's do some warfare about that, right? Other people I know are, you know, they like to take care of it for themselves. That's totally fine. But for me, I like to have somebody on speed dial. And so the person I did have, who was my deliverance friend for a long time, he had passed away, gone to be with the Lord. And so I needed a new person. And I gotten connected to this ministry. It's a very long story, the details that don't matter. But I signed up to go through this to experience what they, how they did deliverance, to see is this a way that God would, would use for me. And so in this particular setting, they have the person who's doing the deliverance with you, like just talking through it. And it's not like some crazy thing. It's like very simple, just praying through what's a lie you're believing. Let's get rid of that kind of thing. And so they also have an intercessor that stays in the room with you. And their whole role in that whole time is to be listening to the Lord and be praying what God shows. Okay, so if, you're, if you've ever been familiar with like an inner healing type experience, um, there's always moments that you come to where there's like some resistance or there's confusion or you're trying to break through to get to that thing that God is saying. And the intercession fuels that breakthrough. It can discern things that need to be brought up to be dealt with. So this is an interesting story because most of the time when we're talking about the gift of intercession, maybe not most of the time, but certainly a lot, we don't have confirmation on what you're discerning, right? God shows you a picture, you pray that through, but you don't really know was that true or not. This is one of those rare times where God had just orchestrated a number of events to allow me to have confirmation of this so that I could tell you this story because it was pretty phenomenal. So let me tell you two pieces of background. Piece number one. For three months before this time, I had been praying, doing ministry like I do, and as I would pray, the Lord would lead me to pray blankets over people, okay? So I always ask the Lord, Father, what do you want me to pray when I'm praying over someone? And he began to say, pray a blanket of protection, pray a blanket of comfort. So over several different rounds of ministering to people, I began to notice I was saying the same thing. Have you ever had something like that happen? Okay, God, there's a theme you're doing in here. And you know, there's nothing specifically magical in what, how we pray or what we pray, but this theme of covering with a blanket had been this surfacing in me and it was a really powerful experience when I would pray this over different people. So pushing pause on that. Coming over here. Around that same time, my dad signed up for Ancestry.com and he got really interested in our family heritage. We knew some things about our heritage to his grandfather, but past that we didn't know much. So in his findings, he calls me up one day and he said, Rachel, I found that we, uh, up in the line somewhere in the 1800s, 
that there was an, a Native American Indian princess from the Mojave Indian tribe in the New England area who had married into our family. And I was like, well, that's interesting. He said, I thought you might find that interesting since you live in Oklahoma. And I'm like, sure, dad, you know, because we're from Missouri and we don't have much any interaction with Native American culture. And so that's been a fun new experience for me here. And so I said, yeah, that's interesting. So I, I knew that, okay? So pause on both those things. So I'm sitting in this deliverance session, <clears throat> inner healing, whatever you want to call it. I'm confident enough to say it was deliverance because... It was. And so I'm sitting there, and the intercessor just all of a sudden says, do you have any Native American ancestry in you? So had I not known from my dad signing up to Ancestry.com, I just would have said no, because we're a Jewish family. My mom's side of the family is an English family. We knew that. You know, I said no. But I knew. I said, actually, I do. And he said, I saw a woman. And I'm like, well, that's interesting, because the only Native American ancestry we have is this woman, and we actually knew her name, and it was just kind of a cool experience. And he said, I saw a woman, and she was laying a blanket over you. <laughs> Hello. So now my curiosity is peaked because for three months, I've been laying blankets over people, so I knew there was something to that. And he said, I saw her in her lifetime. She was doing this ritual where she was laying a blanket and, and praying, I don't know, some sort of incantation because she wasn't a believer. So she was praying something or doing some sort of ritual where she would lay, physically lay a blanket over her family lineage, and that blanket was to protect them from evil spirits. But what the enemy was doing was taking that blanket and laying it, it was like heaviness on me. And so the intercessor said, I see that every time you get to that point of stepping into your promised land, your destiny, this blanket weighs you down and causes you to back up. Now, I had a testimonial awareness that this was true, okay, where it's like, I just knew that is so true. I knew it from just pattern in my life, but I also could feel it. I had like a physical reaction when this was being said to where I knew, oh, this is the Lord. And it was a fear of the God moments, fear of God moment. And so we stopped and we prayed into that and we dealt with that and got rid of it. And it was very powerful. And the fascinating thing is in the last two and a half years since that encounter with the Lord, I've never felt that same thing again. Whatever that thing that I felt that I would come up against was gone because the blanket had been removed. Had I not been praying blankets, how would I even have believed that? I don't know, right? But there was something so powerful of how God wove all those things. So when the gift of intercession happened on my behalf, it happened to say deep in these foundational things is something that's holding you back. We're going to channel our prayer at that thing. We're going to get it gone because when God reveals it, he reveals it to heal it, right? He doesn't reveal it just to mock you or expose you or make you feel bad that you did something wrong in your life. He reveals it so that you can have a breakthrough. So I left that time having a tremendous breakthrough and it was amazing. If it wasn't for the gift of intercession, I don't know that we would have come up to that point, right? Because in my own natural mind, I wouldn't have been able to make the connection of all of these things but for that gift. So does that make sense? <clears throat> I thought it was really powerful. All right, so let's get into how the gift of intercession works on a very practical level for any of you in the room that feel like this is a gifting that you operate in. Hebrews 7, 25. There's a lot of people in the Bible that are intercessors, okay? But we're gonna talk about a few of them. The first one is Jesus. So this is cool. Because Jesus in his ministry in the New Testament, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. 
right? He came to earth to be the exact representation of the Father so that we all could see God the Father who is invisible to our eyes. Jesus took on flesh to emulate that. But he, so he says, I only, see what I, I only do what I see the Father doing. But once Jesus resurrected and ascended into heaven and he became the high priest, okay? There's, we have some messages on the podcast if you wanna catch those. They're really powerful that Grant did last year around this time. But he became the high priest on our behalf. And so as the high priest, one of his roles is to intercede for you. Okay, so Hebrews 7.25 says, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Other translation says he lives ever to make intercession for them, them being you. In other words, Jesus is constantly in heaven interceding on your behalf. So when Jesus says, I only did what I saw the Father doing, I would submit to you that as we pray, you pray what you see Jesus praying. That's sort of the pattern that he established, right? So anytime you're in a need where you feel a burden to pray, what do you do? This is what I do. I say, Jesus, what are you praying before the throne? Because that's what he's doing. He's up there praying, right? And then he will share with you, this is what I'm praying. Partner with me and let's see this come to pass. A couple other scriptures I want to make a note of. And if you're taking notes, you can write these down. All right, this one is James 5, 16. Okay, and this is the amplified version. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man or believer can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. So what does that mean when put into action and made effective by God? What I believe that's saying is Jesus is praying something. When we discern what that is and we pray together, bam, this powerful thing begins to happen and earth begins to be shaped, right? So history belongs to the intercessors. Everything that happens in the kingdom of God happens on the frequency or the wave or whatever word you want to use, the avenue of prayer. Prayer lays the foundation for all things that you see. Every time when Jesus' ministry, when he was about to go out, man, we see him consistently pulling back to do what? To rest, to have a tea? No, to pray. Because he knew my prayers can shape the atmosphere of what I'm going into so that I can see what God wants to do actually happen here on the earth. No matter where you are, no matter what opposition you're coming against, no matter what challenges you have in your life, when we are a righteous man or woman of God and we pray the will of God, it is powerful and it's effective. Have you ever known somebody that prays and they're praying all the time, but there's no fruit from their prayer? Right? It's sad. <laughs> to me, anyway. It's sad because they're just like, just routinely, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. But you know, to me, I'm like, if you've been praying and praying and praying and you haven't been interacting with the Lord and getting an answer, then something's off on what you're praying. Graham Cook puts it this way. He says, uh, when we're praying and we're saying, God, do this, or I want you to do this. And, and he, I love the way he does this, if you've ever heard him. And he said, it's like the Lord goes closer, closer. I'm not going to answer you yet. Keep, you know, keep changing the words of your prayer. And, then, and so we're saying, God, I, I, I feel so desperate. I, I, I need to feel you, Lord. And he goes, oh, that's a good prayer. But you're getting closer. You're not quite there yet, right? Okay, Lord, I know that you're there with me. I know you're with me. But I just need to feel you. He's like, oh, you're closer, right? As we pray for something over a long period of time, we actually are the ones that get to be transformed and more into the image of God, but there should be a transformation happening. If we're just going down our list of, Lord, bless this person, Lord, heal this person, Lord, this person needs help, you know, and nothing is happening or changing, we got to step back and say, what's going on? Because prayer, when you're a righteous man, is powerful and effective, 
You might say to me, well, how do I know if I'm a righteous man? Hey, listen, this is great news for you. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are now a righteous man or woman. It's actually that simple. We have so overcomplicated what it means to be in right standing with God. It literally means, here, Maccoby, stand here, be my example. It literally means this. Okay, Maccoby's gonna be our image of Jesus, although, you know, he's, he's a man, right? He's not Jesus. But it's like if I'm in right standing with him, I'm literally in standing with him. That's what being righteous means, right? You can sit down, thank you. Great job, McCovey. <laughs> right? It's not that complicated. I don't have to toil and work and, oh my gosh, I forgot to, you know, pray five times. I was going to fast yesterday. I totally missed it. Oh, and now I can't be in right standing. No, that does not exist in the kingdom of God. That is striving. That's the work of our flesh. How do you be in right standing with the Lord? You are literally in him. And when we have confessed our sin, we are in right standing. That's what this says in James, right? Let's read it again. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you can be healed and restored because the powerful prayer of a, per- of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It's really that simple. When we have cleaned our heart, when we're not holding on to sin, what does that mean? When we sin, we need to ask for forgiveness. It's, it's not complicated, right? What complicates it is when we take on shame, when we take on guilt, when we won't let that sin go, right? When we just overdo something all the time. Did you know that critical thinking and over-analyticalness can be a sin? It's not always, but it can be. When I so love to just, you know, nitpick... <laughs> and go through every little piece of my situation, and I'm totally removing God from the picture, did you know that can be a sin as well? Why? Because I'm saying, Lord, I don't really care about your perspective. I really just see that the way that I see it, and you know, this is truth, right? And so we don't take on shame or condemnation or over-analyticalness or anything like that. All of that's from the world. What we do is we say, Lord, I really blew it in this instance, but I thank you for your forgiveness. And so if I had a dry erase board up here, I would do this. We'd write sin, we'd wipe it off, and it's literally gone. Psalms tells us as far as the east is from the west. You guys know this, but I'm just reminding you. So how do you have effective, powerful prayer? You just make sure your sins are forgiven and you are in right standing with God. Your prayers can be effective and powerful, right? It's not hard. The only time that it's hard and complicated is when we take on a mentality that God doesn't put on us. Not to say that it doesn't, that laboring in prayer isn't hard, right? Because laboring in prayer and saying, Lord, I'm believing for something and why aren't you doing it? And I'm coming at you again, right? We were praying that this morning in our pre-service prayer. Lord, we're, we're reminding you again that you prophesied this, you promised this, so now you gotta come and be a man of your word, right? And it's not from this spiteful, vengeful place, but it's just from a place of, as God says for himself, put me in remembrance of what I spoke to you. And so that is a challenge, right? When we're in the in-between, that's a challenge. But it's not the same thing as feeling guilty or feeling ashamed or feeling like, man, I, I can't do something for the Lord. You guys tracking with me on this? All right, I got a little off topic. So back on the topic of the, of the gift of intercession. So that's prayer. We can all pray like that. The gift of intercession looks a little bit different. It's essentially God calling you to sow in prayer for a specific thing, person, city, region. So there are times where God will say, listen, I want you to be this person's intercessor, to pray over this person who's you know, starting a ministry or is in ministry or whatnot. Celebrities, okay? I have had, this sounds so crazy, but I've had so many times where the Lord has said, he'll highlight a specific celebrity and said, it is your job to pray over them. And I'm like, okay, Lord. And so I read about them. I watch what's going on in their life and I pray into that. I listen to the Lord. It sounds ridiculous, but we all need intercessors in our life right? 
So we can have be assigned to people. We can be assigned to ministries or churches. We can be assigned to cities, regions, states, the nation. We can be assigned to businesses. A friend of mine, her, she actually has a business that intercedes for businesses. It's actually really cool. So you can, this sounds bad, but it's not bad because it just takes time and time. You know, we all need to be recouped at some level. She does a donations for her services, but she has a ministry where um, she will intercede for your business. And as the Lord says, pray this for them. And I was listening to some testimonies of her. There's a business in Thailand that they intercede for. And once a year, she flies out there and they pray over all their facilities and they pray over their staff. And it's really cool. It's so different, right? I would submit to you that the gift of intercession is this hidden, unseen, absolutely vital gift on the earth. That every apostle, prophet, fancy person, big name person that you can see is only doing that because they have a great team of intercessors around them. No questions asked. And the ones that get to make it to the end of their life, like Billy Graham, that, that stood fast for Jesus, that were not drawn away by the ways of this world, probably had more intercessors than the other ones. Because the intercessors are the ones that come behind you and like Aaron and Moses in the Bible, they literally physically hold Moses' hands up because he's too tired to do it for himself. They don't do it because they love Moses. They do it because they love God and they understand that what they're doing is as important, as effective as what Moses was doing, right? When we're talking about praying for our leaders, the Bible tells us pray for your leaders. Let me tell you, being a leader is very hard, there's thoughts that go through your mind that are the most crazy thoughts. If we didn't have a team of intercessors around us that we knew were praying for us that we could turn to and say, man, this is a crazy season. Can you be praying more for me? We would be insane. I actually wholeheartedly believe that, <laughs> right? Our governmental leaders, they need our prayers. Why? Because they can't catch the wavelength of heaven all on their own. They need us to come around them. When two or more are gathered, heaven comes, Right, So when we stand arm in arm, we say, listen, we are going to frame this. We're going to frame it in the way that God framed it. We're going to use our words, our heart, our prayer, all of these things. Man, we do get to shape an atmosphere for that. So the intercessors are the unsung heroes of the world. I wholeheartedly believe that. I want to take a second just to acknowledge a couple intercessors that we have in this room. I know there are more. So if I don't say your name, no big deal, because I know there are more. And we need everybody praying and praying. But there's a few people that God has specifically given, like, an assignment of intercession for our church. And Sharon is one of them. And Ashley, who's not here, is one of them. And Reese is one of them. And these people, the way, they, the way this works in their life, so if you want to understand this more, pick their brain. It's like there's a... a um, an unknown feeling that begins to come over them, and it's almost like a burden if you're putting on a weighted coat, right? In the summertime, if you put on a parka, it doesn't feel so good. You want to take it off, but you don't take it off until the Lord says, lay it down. So it looks like, man, I received this burden. We're, we're praying into this, this new thing that we're doing, or this, you know, we want to have an outreach. So the intercessors are beginning to labor in prayer in that way. And so they wear that coat. It's sometimes a heavy coat, right? And they don't let it go. And they pray in the middle of the night, if that's what God says. They prophesy, they declare, they fast, if that's what the Lord is saying. They go after it because they are the... the Thank you. I was going to say the Avenger that never gets on the movie poster, right? But the strategist works as well. Because if without them, it can't happen. It just can't. 
So we need everybody praying. Prayer is one of the pillars of our church. We need everybody praying, not just for the church, but for your own life, for your own sphere. But there are some that God says, now come alongside of them for a time and wear this coat. And then when I tell you to take it off, you can take it off. And man, we could not be experiencing what we're experiencing here without that. We can't. And where we're headed as a church and the, with the glory that God is beginning to, to bring, even on a greater level, it's like every year he just he turns the volume up a little bit, you know? And that's wholeheartedly, hand in hand, connected to the intercessors and to the prayers that you guys are praying. So I wanted to take a moment in this series to, I felt like it wouldn't be fair if we didn't highlight this gifting. Because we love to highlight the ones where they get a microphone, where they get to talk, where they get to you know, see a miracle, whatever. But none of that is possible without the prayers. You guys tracking with me? So if you're in a season of your life where you're like, things are going badly, I need an intercessor, ask for one. There's different times in my life where I've just had to go, wow, I need to ask somebody, would you faithfully pray for me for the next month or whatever? Sometimes it sounds weird because in our pride, we can think, well, gosh, man, I should be able to get this together on my own. But listen, you can't. Jesus had intercessors. The best one was his mother. I love looking at the story of Mary. She's one of my favorites in the Bible, but as she's encountering the angel, right? Don't you love, if you just like, if we made a parallel of all the different people that had face-to-face encounters with the angels, there's like a different response to all of them. Some of them, like Gideon, are just going, whoa, wrong number, turn around, not interested. And then some, like Mary, are just like, hmm, <laughs> just taking it all in. I'm like probably on the inside, her circuits are freaking out, but outwardly she's like, well, be it to me as you've said, you know? <laughs> I love that. But she had this intercessor's heart. The angel says, man, you're going to have a child. It's not only going to be this miraculous thing, but you're also going to see him become the savior of the world. And so if you've ever had a child, you go, well, okay, you know, this is an interesting thing to consider for the life of this baby. And she stores those things in her heart, not just to like think about them. She prayed over them. That's what she was doing. Again, when Jesus gets lost in the temple and they have this little, you know, spat, a, a, a pubescent spat, you know, and uh, it's an interesting story for another time. And, and it says at the end of it that she treasured those things in her heart. And again, as Jesus is going to the cross, we see her just treasuring those things in her heart. I believe what it's saying is there was this call to intercession that she took from it. When you're called to be an intercessor, the way you speak becomes really important. I know I'm going to step on some toes. Frankly, I'm going to step on my own toes in a moment. So just, you know, be in good company. But when we are called to pray for something, when God has given you an assignment to pray, the way you speak becomes really important. Why? Because he gives you an anointed word in your prayer, but your mouth doesn't get to decide when it's anointed and when it's not. James puts it this way. Sharon's like, that's right, right? You know, James puts it this way. Life, you can Yes, yes, becomes effective. Everything you say out of your mouth is effective, exactly. So James puts it this way, life and death are in the power of your tongue. We want to have life in our tongue and we want to have permission to vent death all day long but have it not do anything. It just doesn't work that way right? Now this is hard, okay? We're talking about some things in the kingdom aren't hard. This one is hard. Jesus has given us self-control also over your mouth. 
right? So there are times where I'm an external processor. If you're an external processor, you get this, right? That means you talk while you think. You can't really think in your own head. You can only think by saying it out loud. It's a very frustrating thing. And then for some reason, we always marry people who are internal processors. And so it's like, what? But anyways, there's probably not enough time for two external processors to ever speak if they're both married to each other. But so we, we think this way. And so when we're struggling, we want to talk it out, but we have to be careful the way we talk it out because we can actually prophesy death over people. Literal death, maybe not, but physical, emotional death, for sure. Or over your own self. So let's talk about it this way. There's a thing called word curses. Has anybody ever heard this phrase, word curses? Okay. What does it mean? It literally means a curse of your words. Okay. You all know what this is, and let me give you an example. Let's say you have a dream in your heart, and you're ready to go live it out, and you're like, man, I'm called by God. This is going to be amazing. And then somebody really close to you says, well, when you fail, and all of a sudden you're like, well, I didn't really consider if I could fail. And then you, you get into positions where you face an obstacle, and that voice, well, when you fail, comes back in your head. Anybody know what I'm talking about now? Right? It maybe didn't feel like a word curse at the time. While it's happening, the person isn't saying, I am cursing you. It doesn't happen like that. Right? But later, when we are vulnerable and that voice comes back in your head, that's a word curse. It's essentially just, it's, it's like a lasso or like a chain or whatever you want to say holding you back. We all have these because as we're little kids, our parents say things without guarding their mouths. As we grow up, friends say things without guarding their mouths. And so death comes over you. Literal death, not necessarily. In some cases, maybe. But, not, but most of the time, it's like emotional death. It's a little bit of spiritual death. Or something has been so negatively talked about, and then God calls you to that thing, and now you feel resistance because you don't want to be the person that those negative people were talking about. And all of that is your words framing your worldview. So life and death are in the power of the, of, the, of the tongue. And if we are going to pray and we're going to intercede, we have to watch the way that we speak. Now, there are times where you say something and you wish you didn't say it, right? I've been there. I've had plenty of those moments. Thankfully, I'm married to an internal processor who very rarely says things he doesn't mean. And, you know, sometimes he'll go, you should just stop right now before you say something that you regret, right? And not even to him or just if I'm, if I'm like, I'm just venting for a second. See, even in our venting, we have to toe that line of honor and life because if I want to be used by God, I don't get to pick and choose when. I don't. If I surrender my life and say, Lord, you can have your way, then he gets to have his way even at 11 o'clock at night when I'm really frustrated about something and I'm having trouble sleeping and I just need to talk it out for a second. Even in my talking it out or our talking it out, we have to toe that line. So can you be negative? You can be negative, but you have to understand what you're saying. And when you do that, it, there's a balance that you will find, right? When you're going through hell, can I just say that? When you're going through a really bad experience or season, you can't just be like all, you know, sugar plums and cherry drops. Like, that's not real, right? It's, it's not about living in denial and saying, well, this is really hard, but bless God, I'm just doing great. <laughs> and like on your face, everybody knows you're really not doing great, but you just won't say the honest truth. That's not what we're talking about here. Sometimes we say the honest truth, but when we say it, we think about the way that we're saying it right? So you can still express yourself fully. You can still be honest about what's going on fully. You just choose your words a little bit carefully. If you are called to pray for a person, a ministry, a business, a city, then your words about that thing become that much more important. <clears throat> 
So now all of you are really thankful that very few of us have the gift of intercession. So, uh, <laughs> so one or two more things I want to talk about. Let's talk about word curses for a second, just because I know I've piqued your curiosity now. So what do you do when you realize that you're under a word curse? Somebody the other day, I was listening to this thing, and he was talking about governments. And I love this because Isaiah says the government will be put on Jesus' shoulders. Right, And so when we read that, our mind goes to the president, the Congress, our mind goes to what we deem government. But what he was saying, which I thought was fascinating, was government is anything that governs you. In other words, time can be a government. Now, I know this is really abstract, so just bear with me if you're not an abstract thinker, but time can be a a government. Our church starts at 1030. Some of you guys submit to the government of that timing so well, some of you don't, and that's okay. But, you know, it's going to start at 1030, whether you're here or not sometimes, depending on who is actually starting it. But are you guys catching? Even time can be a government. We submit ourselves to that. In eternity, time doesn't exist in the linear way that it does here on the earth, just saying. And so we submit ourselves to these governments of like time or, you know, our housing structure, all of these different thought processes. Word curses actually become like a government to us. But Isaiah prophesied that the government is put on his shoulders. All governments, not just rules and regulations, but anything that we would want to submit to has now been put on Jesus's shoulders. So when we have a word curse going on in our life, something we just can't shake. If you've had a traumatic experience or a big argument with somebody and that voice just keeps coming back, marriages, this happens, right? We say something we don't mean and now forever, I assume that's what you're thinking even when you don't. Even last week, Grant and I were driving somewhere and I said, well, I know you don't think, I don't even remember it was minor, but I said, you know, I, don't, I know you don't think this, And he goes, well, why would you say that? I said, well, like two years ago, you said that when we were having an argument. He goes, I don't even remember saying that. He doesn't even think that way, but I've been putting that on him in all this time. So it happens. So what do you do when you find yourself living under a word curse? It's actually really simple. You just get rid of it. Here's how you do that. You come into the person of Jesus, meaning I'm, I, I'm, sometimes you have to talk yourself through it. Sometimes you have to think, however you're wired, get there, right? Imagine yourself in Christ Jesus. You're positioned in him. So now you are in right standing. Your sins have been forgiven as you've confessed them. They're literally gone. And so this is what I do. I take that word curse to the Lord, and let's just say it's like a failure thing. And I say, Lord, this person spoke that, um, that we were gonna fail or that I was gonna fail or whatever. And I take that to the Lord and I, this is what I do because I'm a visual person. I literally imagine myself seeing those words like little blocks and I give them to Jesus. That's what I do. You can do it however it makes sense to you. I'm just sharing you from my perspective. And I give that to Jesus and then this is what I say. Lord, I ask you to take the power out of those words. In other words, to make them null and void, right? So if I say to you, Three weeks ago, I want a Dr. Pepper, but then today I want tea, and you never remembered that I ever said a Dr. Pepper. Those words have no power, right? They're null and void. So that's what we're doing to the word curses. We're stripping the, the power out of them. Because the enemy, what he does is sometimes he creates such a perfect storm where somebody says something flippantly, and then he rides the wave of those words, and now you're, you're like under something and it's really holding you back, like the blanket kind of thing, right? Did every one of my ancestors, the lineage, experience that? I don't know, but I did. For whatever reason, it was what the enemy was using in my life, okay? So we say, Lord, 
I'm giving you these words. I'm taking the power out of them. Sometimes I'll pray the blood of Jesus, like a cleansing over that, because the blood of Jesus is the cleansing power of God. And so sometimes I, even as weird as this sounds, I imagine the blood of Jesus, or I imagine angels like wiping those words, wiping the power away from them. And then I ask the Lord to tell me what the truth is. Because it's not enough to just get rid of it. We have to replace it with the truth, right? The Bible tells us it's the truth that sets us free. And so the truth actually has power. So I'll take that word, curse the Lord, and I'll say, what do you say? And he would say, you're not a failure in me at all, or whatever he would say to you, right? And so every time the enemy tries to bring that word curse back, a lot of times it's just gone and you don't hear it in your head anymore. But if he tries to bring it back, then you take the truth and you go, oh, yeah, that's an interesting thought. He actually said that's not true, right? And you just deal with that thought in that way. The more you do that, your mind, like Romans tells us, gets retrained. And as your mind gets retrained, that word curse gets even less power and disappears where you might not even be able to remember it anymore. So that's how that works. If you're in this moment, like highlighting, I feel like there's a couple of you that are just all of a sudden, you know what I'm talking about. And there's a word curse that's in there and you want prayer for that. I will stick around after to pray for you. Um, I know there's others that would love to pray that for you as well. There's no reason to carry around what the enemy thinks of us, right? It's like, really, why? If we look at it like that, gosh, I don't really want to continue to hear that, Lord. <laughs> I just want to hear what you think about me. Okay, so the gift of intercession, that's what we're talking about today, the unsung hero. So intercessors, it looks like this. Let me give you another example. As they pray for you, for your ministry, for your job, for your business, whatever it is that they're, that your church, they're assigned to pray for, um, it looks like like sometimes it looks like building a wall of protection around you. How do they build that wall? Every declaration gets to be a brick. Like the blood of Jesus gets to be the cement, right? So if I'm praying over you, Lacey, okay? So God says, Rachel, I'm giving you the calling to be Lacey's intercessor. So this is what it looks like. I wake up in the morning and I sense Lacey's having a hard morning. She may be having a great morning, but the, to me it feels like there's a heart, right? I need to sew into that. And so I don't just dismiss that feeling, oh, I'm sure she's fine. No, I own it and I say, Lord, I pray over Lacey right now in the name of Jesus that as she wakes up and her feet hit the ground, that there would be just a renewed sense of energy that comes over her. If there's an awareness that I have about things going on in her life, I'll pray those things specifically. If there's not, I'll say, Lord, what are you praying? And sometimes he'll say, I'm praying that she comes into that understanding of, of on the fullness of who I am for her. And so when I declare those things, it becomes like another brick right? And the blood of Jesus bricks are really powerful. They don't just knock over in any windstorm. They hold tight. And so the more that I do that over time, I build this wall around her to where when the enemy starts coming like a tidal wave, there's a protection there that wasn't before. Are you guys tracking with me? So if you're a parent, it is your job to be your child's intercessor. So everybody in the room, if you're a parent, is an intercessor at some level. What you pray over your children, imagine it like this. Imagine it like living words that are going to circle around them for all the days of their life. And then the bad words are going to also circle around them until somebody snatches those out. And so as we listen, have you guys, I talked about this last week, all the mamas. But for the dads, this happens too. You're driving and all of a sudden you just know, oh, I, I have never talked to my kid about this. You know, the other day I thought, oh, okay, Jack in his age and how he fits with the others, conversations we'd had with Eli and Callie, he wasn't really able to comprehend and then it was kind of like we already had them and so now I'm going, oh no, we never had that conversation with him. Why did I come to that? Because the intercession that God is praying over Jack, the Lord wanted me to not miss that window for him, right? Grant came down from putting him to bed last night. <laughs> 
a total side note story, but it'll make you laugh. And he goes, well, I have failed as a parent, which is not something that he would normally say. And I said, what? And he goes, Jack does not know the story of Noah's Ark. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought, this is too funny. He goes, I said, you know the story of the flood and the boat. And he went through all the details. And Jack goes, no, I don't know that story. And Grant goes, what? It's like the most basic story of our faith, you know? Anyways, we had a good laugh about it. But it's like those moments where you go, oh, I didn't realize this, this had been missing from their life. So do you dismiss it? Oh, I'll get to that later. No, you step into intercession. Some people say intercession is like the bridge. It's like you're over here, heaven is over here, and the intercessor stands as the bridge, kind of holding the two and drawing them together. Whatever word picture is helpful to you or you know, understanding is helpful to you, run with that. If, if it's fruitful in your life, right? Sometimes it may not be fruitful and God will let that fall to the side. But it doesn't have to look exactly like it makes sense to me for you to step into that place for your own family. Does that make sense? Okay, so are you all supercharged to pray? I know I am. Every time I talk about prayer, I get really excited. Um, you know, my dad, he got saved around 13 years ago. He was very anti-Jesus before that. And um, and he, I don't know why, but he started telling people that I would pray for them when he got saved. <laughs> he didn't do that to my brother for some reason, but he would say, he would talk to somebody, they would have an illness or whatever, and he would say, well, my daughter Rachel is going to pray for you. And then he would call me and say, Rachel, I need you to pray for so-and-so. And I would go, Dad, I don't really want to pray for somebody, you know, this person I don't really know, but I'd, I'd pray for them because I would do my duty, you know, as a believer and as a, a daughter of him. And this interesting thing began to happen. These people, and I'm not saying this is about my prayer. I'm just saying this is about prayer in general. They began to come back and say, well, thanks for having her pray for me. This, this changed, right? And I would think, well, I don't think that was me. I really still don't really think it was me. But my dad began to get this understanding that if Rachel prays for it, it will happen, right? And so all these years later, he'll still say, man, Rachel, we need, you know, this, this person's going through a really hard time. I really need you to be praying for them, right? And, I, and I, I've had to go, dad, you can pray this way too. You know, your prayers are righteous and effective also. And he, he is, and he does that. But there was this interesting thing that I began to realize in that season of there are prayers that are more powerful and effective than others. And so everything I've just shared with you is how to do that. But I want to say, too, that there are some things that we have to unite together to really go after, to see those walls totally come down. And that's where intercession comes to play, where we can pray for something. I bless you with my prayer or whatnot. But then there's other things that we go, man, this isn't something my little little word is going to tap to. We all have to link together. How is it possible that as the Israelites marched around Jericho, the walls actually fell down at their sound? How is that possible if our sound is not effective? It's actually really effective. I could get into some quantum physics things and really get weird, and I'm not going to, but just trust me, scientists, science are catching up with the fact that our words are really powerful and effective. But we know that because it's in the Bible because God actually created the world by the sound of his voice, and we are made in his image, and so we create our world by the sound of our voice, right? Come on. Did you guess that? I mean, the fruit. That's right. So, So, yeah. So, do this as a challenge. Grant mentioned the other day about the singing of the plants. I don't know if you guys were here and he was talking about there's a, a science experiment where you can sing to plants and they thrive. If you know us at all, you know that every plant life dies in our care. It's unbelievable. Every plant, that's, I mean, even cactuses that are supposed to, yeah. Sharon knows. I said one day, Sharon, can you come and just plant for me? And she said, no, because it will just die. <laughs> 
I said, all right, fine, you're right. But, um, but it's interesting that the way that we phrase our words actually does accomplish things. The fruit of our lips, all these scriptures, if you look through this lens in the Bible, you will see time and time again, your words are actually powerful. So your challenge this week is to begin to shape your home or your bedroom, whatever is your, you know, a, a feasible thing for you, begin to shape it with your words. It may feel ridiculous. It probably will if you've never done this, okay? But give it some time and you will begin to see the atmosphere shift around you. And when you do that, you'll have more oomph in your tank to go after bigger things to pray for, right? If you have kids in your home, do this. Begin to change the way that you speak to them if you struggle in this area and watch how it begins to help them flourish. It's kind of an amazing thing. So um, stand up with me as we're going to end. I'm going to pray over you. Put your hand on one hand on your heart, one hand on your mouth if you're comfortable. You don't have to, but if you're comfortable and say, Lord, I invite you to use my words to shape this city. Say, Jesus, I invite you to bring me revelation of how I pray for the people in my care and how I carry them with my heart in Jesus' name. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. So Lord, I bless every person that's here that they would step into a greater awareness of you this week. And as they shape the world around them with their words, Lord, I pray this week heaven would rain down in every home, in every bedroom, and every relationship connected to the people here. And for anyone that's under any sort of word curse, Lord, we strip it of its power right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come before your throne. We plead the blood of Jesus over every single one of those false accusations that have been said. Lord, would you give us discernment to hear the words that we have been holding on to that are just not from you. And Lord, we say, let those words fall by the wayside this week, that we can have a spring in our step and a lightness in our heart as we pursue the dreams that you've put in us. In Jesus' name, amen.